podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. another episode of the Nina Kauser show smiling again another routine win for the Reds another clean sheet the front three men all getting on in on the action as well very very happy days 3-0 against Bournemouth at Anfield and joining me um I have a couple of amazing callers and a pretty impressive panel as well today it's a one-man band I'll be hosting I well apparently I host and I'll be producing and editing as well so this could be a little erratic it could be a little everywhere but I've got two guys who are going to make sure I see I come through this on the other side pretty good I am delighted to be joined by the host of the writers podcast an excellent writer on Anfield Index it's Tom Holmes Tom it's been ages it has. Um, when was last time I was on? Was it Everton? Must have been since Everton, it's wasn't it? It's been ages, yeah. It's been like forever. Too long. Too, too, too long, my friend. But it is great to have you back. And joining Tom, uh, I'm, I'm quite flattered to have this guy on. He's been making the rounds on podcasts as well, been writing as well, wrote a pretty good piece on Anfield Index quite recently. It's it's Steve Evans. I mean, Sam Evans. Sam, welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Oh, did I know you get my name wrong again? It's <laughs> difficult. I can't find you on Skype. But guys, it's awesome to have yeah. you on. Before we jump to the callers, just want to get your initial, like, what you feel after that. Because for me, it just, I was very relaxed and calm watching that. So, um, Tom, I'll come to you first. I've not had that much fun mm. watching a football match in quite a long time. In the sense that the City game was obviously something different. It wasn't, I wouldn't describe that, that City first leg as fun. This is the most fun I've had watching a football match in quite a long time. It's not been our best performance in quite a long time. Obviously, that was City again, but it's been the most... It's like you said, it was calm. It was quite relaxing. You could enjoy the football. You weren't bricking it every two seconds. Yes. You know, when you know when Bournemouth came forward, you weren't really scared because it was like, well, what are they going to do? If they score, they score. Like, it, was the most, it was the most enjoyable performance we've turned in in quite a long time, and I thought we were really, really comprehensive. Absolutely, and I think it kind of helps that, you know, we're in the semi-finals and, you know, everything's looking good. Top four pretty much looks secure as long as we don't screw up, which I'm sure we won't. Uh, Sam, what about yourself? How did you feel watching that game? Yeah, I think Tom's smack on there. Uh, it was one of those games, they just came absolutely flying up the block. So mm-hmm. I was really impressed with the start we made today. And I think that the plan was to just get it done early so we can just rest the legs. So yeah, we, we were really, really comfortable today you know a bit of a bit of a wobble at the end but you know we were already 2-0 up at that point so as Tom said it was really nice to just watch a game and just enjoy the Reds with no stress so absolutely chuffed with that really happy on to the next one absolutely but you know what it won't be a Nina Kaza show without our absolutely incredible callers I'm going to go to our first one it's Alex Mansfield AI Pro subscriber, also a contributor to the LFC Transfer Room podcast, which is a very, very good, informative podcast. So do check it out, guys. Alex, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. How are you? No, I'm I'm doing wonderful. I'm uh, with the rest of the guys. Pleasantly, pleasantly, not going to say surprised. I mean, I was. I think we were all hoping for that result, but as has been the case in years past, it was it's kind of odd feeling as nervous for a, a home tie against Bournemouth as I was going uh, going to the Etihad with the 3-0 lead, but the boys certainly got the job done, and uh, yeah, thoroughly entertaining performance. It was, it was. It was, like we've all said, it's very relaxed and really calming. Uh, Alex, uh, you are a man of, very, of many questions when it comes to football, so I'm assuming you've got one here, so what would you like to ask the panel? Yeah, um, my, my biggest question, I just want to get everybody's take on on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's performance tonight. I mean, I, I personally thought he was just tremendous and it was, you know, he continues to go from strength to strength. But I, I really thought tonight was as much of a coming of age performance for, a, you know, for a box to box midfielder as, as you could possibly get. So I just I just love to get the panel's take on how far he's come, where he is currently and where they think he can go. 
I think a lot of people have made that observation. I think a few a few players had a pretty decent game and he's certainly one of them. Uh, Sam, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Your thoughts on Oxlade-Chamberlain? Uh, I think he is just surprising me like day by day. Every time he plays, he just looks like a Jurgen Klopp player. He looks like he's enjoying his football, his time here. Yeah, uh, it, I think the, the transfer fee did raise a lot of eyebrows at the time. You know, people could see that he had a lot of potential. Mm. But when they found out he was pushing £40 million for potential, people were thinking that's a big gamble. But it's clear that Klopp and the team, you know, they saw something in Oxlade-Chamberlain. He had all of the tools required to, to fit into this Jurgen Klopp side. You know, he's got the pace. He can run with the ball. He's aggressive. He can shoot. And that's exactly what we need in the centre of the park. So uh, it's a great... Great point. Uh, you know, he is really showing now that he is coming of age in this Liverpool shirt. And I think game on game, he's looking more and more relaxed and composed mm-hmm. in the team. You know, when he first came along, he could see all of the ability and everything. But, you know, maybe he's making the wrong decision or, uh, you know, rushing things. But now he's, he's just looking at he's in the middle of the park and he's, he's putting the work in. He's even making tackles. So he is looking. I'm really, really excited to have in him and Keita in the same team because we're going to be running rings around teams. So, yeah, really, really happy with his progress so far. No, I pretty much agree with what you said there. Tom, I'm going to come to you because, you know, like many people, I think there was a lot of questions about his transfer fee. I was, I was certainly one of them. I thought, you know, at that point, we didn't have a defender and I was like, why are we buying Oxlade-Chamberlain? You know, there's more pressing issues in that squad. But... And again, you know, his injuries and his time at Arsenal left you a little questionable. I know you were, you know, somebody that was, you know, pretty sceptical about this transfer. But I think the boy is coming good. And it certainly seems like he just needed a harmonious place. Yeah, definitely. If you can, if you listen very carefully, you'll be able to hear the sound of my co-host, Leanne Prescott, cackling in victory. I was thinking about her. I'm not going to lie. Uh, every every time I praise Ox, she comes out of the woodwork to uh, to subtly remind me that we've been we've been arguing about Ox all year. And um, no, I think he was terrific today. I really do. Um, he did everything right. He was winning the ball in the middle of midfield. He was driving runs. His his dribbling style is just fantastic because he he's not one of those tricky little dribblers. He's not a Coutinho type where he'll like run rings around you. He'll just bulldoze he's you. Direct. He'll just he'll just run very, straight very past you. Yeah, he'll just knock the ball yeah. and go, bang straight through you. Not a he's 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 a fantastic dribbler. Um, and I think the one player, I mean, the one player who he does remind me of, and I think it was kind of hinted at when you say it was a really really strong number eight performance, is he does remind me a bit of Gerard sometimes. He's he's putting the shifts he's put in. I mean, he's nowhere near that level of consistency of yet. But the but the shifts he's put in in the last week and a half, they've been very Gerard esque. And there's a good clip that I saw that I didn't realize existed of Oxley Chamberlain saying, "I really want to be like Stephen Gerrard. And then you get clips of him, you know banging in goals like that City yeah. first leg and just driving past players today. He just looks like the sort of player who is really, really coming on leaps and bounds. And I thought his decision-making was excellent today. Mm. There were two or three situations where we had a really good counter-attacking option. He played the right pass. The one the one that Firmino missed, I just thought mm. he got his decision-making spot on. He's been weighting his passes really well. He's choosing when, when he shoots, it was the right, it's generally the right option to shoot. So I just thought he got pretty much everything spot on today. Um, I thought it was really unlucky to be booked. Um, no, I mean, you, we talk about Naby Keita. Um, you know, if, if, if Ox plays like he did this, this today and Henderson plays like he did today and you've got Emre as well, Naby might struggle to get into this midfield. I mean, obviously he won't, but you know what I mean? Like he's, he's got his work out for him. I, I don't think he walks in and is automatically the best midfielder in this team if we can get players like Oxley Chamberlain playing mm. as well, as well as they have done today consistently. And for me, that is still the big question mark over him is his consistency. But that is something that week on week, he is starting to really, really deliver on. No, he certainly is. And, you know, I think when he first joined and he had those little cameo performances, Alex, you know, at the beginning of the season and people were writing him off, I thought it was really unfair. I think now that he's had like a run of games and he certainly looks match sharp and, you know, he's delivered in on, you know, on the biggest stage, you know, in the Champions League, scored a goal today. He was um, a pretty phenomenal, uh, one of the, one of the best players today. You, you just got to have a lot of love for him. And I think, Alex, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Whilst I thought he was absolutely brilliant, I think what I think what kind of helps a player like Oxley chamberlain and where you, he's really allowed to sort of show what he's all about is when the midfield works in harmony with him. You know, I think Tom just um, pointed out there that Henderson had a great game today. And I think that really elevates the performance of a player like Oxley chamberlain 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think the balance in that midfield today was spot on, and it didn't it didn't hurt that all three of them had phenomenal performances. But Henderson was back to typifying what what we should look for in a number six. I mean, he was combative when he needed to be. He was spraying the ball around brilliantly, playing overly ambitious passes. You know, by not only by you know by his standards, but certainly by what the fans expect of him. I mean, he was just he was phenomenal in pulling the strings back there and. You know, Jeannie Wijnaldum obviously was was stuck into a far more subdued role than than when he was manning that six role midweek against City. Uh, but he quietly, you know, he quietly carried a hundred percent pass rate into this game and was just there as kind of a you know kind of a pivot player. You know, pass take pass receive a pass, take one touch, send it on to someone else, um, and it just it freed up Ox to have his you know his run of the place and i i agree 100 percent with with tom that there were shades of gerard in there i mean just a pure power going forward and you know i had my i had my my doubts early on about his ability to translate that that very direct dribbling style to the midfield because there isn't that kind of space and i think that's one of the things we've seen from him as he's come to adapt is he recognizes when he can open it up versus when he needs to change make you know make a make a smarter decision and I mean, God, the way he was just leaving people in his wake 80 plus minutes into this game. Mm. And, and as Tom said, waiting passes brilliantly. And of course that he's got a pile driver of a right foot. I mean, there were a couple, you know, obviously we saw that first and foremost with, with city um, twice even, but he was inches away from, you know, adding another one of those incredible long range goals. And it's just, there's so many things that romantically smack of Stevie G um, mm. and, you know what you'd mentioned about the fee. I was I was in the same camp as well. I loved him as a player, but it's almost strange because you you think about kind of Klopp's model for buying and always looking at always looking at potential, looking at, mm. at, at where players can be. And I think given how long Oxlade Chamberlain had been around, a lot of us a lot of us forgot that he's still just twenty four. And so yeah. I think a lot of people assume with that with that price tag that we were we were getting a finished product and. The finished product that people saw coming in, you know, left them wanting. But God, I, I I cannot get over his his progression and his professionalism and everything. And he's just, I agree, he's making the he's making the battle for that midfield um, a really really interesting one going into the next season. Your point about space, um, I think, is really interesting because he makes space. The amount of times you just see him pick up the ball and suddenly he's got five yards of space, and that's because I think he recognizes that one of the best ways to actually create space. For yourself, let alone for others, is just to knock the ball past the player. Because if you can beat a man in midfield, suddenly that generates a bit of extra space for you and for someone else, which to me is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can tell that's still going to be a learning curve. I think that's probably going to be maybe the the biggest part for him. And you saw it today in that you know yellow card that he received. You know that was that was a perfect incident of or a perfect incident of you know him taking a probably a little bit too too aggressive and ambitious of a touch. But yeah, the the success rate. I mean, you know, he's got, I think he had four successful dribbles again today, led the team, four successful tackles, led the team there again. Probably could have been you know could have been uh, awarded a couple more key passes if you know, the, if the decision-making after he'd released the ball were a little bit better. But yeah, I just he just looks an absolute dynamo and he's very, very quickly figuring out how to make that that middle of the park his own and how to, you know, in true in true clock player fashion, play play the game to, to his strengths. I think, you know, I think it's a really interesting point that they've made there. Sam, I'm going to bring you in. I mean, of course, you know, we're speaking about next season and Naby Keita. I know this season the midfield does look a little thin, you know, with, you know, the injuries to Emre Jan and Adam Lallana. Um, but I think one thing that's really beneficial for this season is the fact that, you know, we're not in any sort of domestic cup competition, which means the players that we do have can get some good rest time, recovery time. So they're very fresh for every game. But I also feel like, I feel like the players like Ox are actually playing out their skin because they want to play in the semi-final. Yeah, you know, I th- I think he's he's going to as well. Mm. <laughs> his his current form is so good, but th- there's a balance to be struck with the squads regards to players. You know, personally, I think we are a player short, possibly in each position. But yeah. when you do spread out with such a big squad, then you can end up ruining the unity and the happiness within the squad as well. So, you know, we've been quite lucky so far, touch wood, with some of the injuries to the front three. So let's hope that continues. 
but you know if we did get an injury then we might feel a bit short mm. but it's the but you see how happy those guys are playing together because they're getting to play with each other week in week out they're just as one you know they just rotate positions if you do get an injury one position you know we worry about Firmino for instance if he gets injured we haven't got another striker but Salah just goes there you know and then we'll have Ox on the, on the wing maybe or you know so a lot of the players are interchangeable so the way that Klopp seems to be covering the squad is getting players who can cover more than one position so that that's kind of a, a workaround so uh, but yeah regards to Ox I think you know, personally, I'd have him straight in the team uh, in the in the semi final, and you know, next season it looks like maybe Chan is off. Uh, they're staying very quiet on it. Hopefully, he stays. You know, I, I still think he's our current best midfielder. But if he does go, we got Keita coming in, and with the current record of signings by this Liverpool side, I can't remember the last time they didn't sign a good player. So I'd be fully confident that they would actually replace him successfully. No, absolutely. And uh, Alex, I'll let you have the final say on um, on on Ox before we let you go. I mean, you guys have you guys have have covered it all, really. Just I, I cannot cannot express enough how impressed I was. And I, you know, I put a little tweet out there saying that if if Nabi Kate does not completely wed to that number eight jersey next season, that would uh, certainly wouldn't look bad on on the back of Ox's shirt. Absolutely. And before we let you go, Alex, happy with the, the semi-final um, draw with Roma? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was, at the end of the day, there was not going to be an easy draw, but there was also not going to be a- anything less than a desirable draw. Yes. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of great narratives running with, with Roma. It's it's strange because as much as we all want to, you know, see us get number six, um, it feels like a very familial rivalry with Roma. It doesn't, it, it feels like, you know, given, and I think, I think part of this is perpetuated by social media, but it's, it's hard to get amped and really want to go after this, you know, the, this club as a whole, we certainly want to get the tie, but it's not going to have the same kind of, you know, vitriol and, and hatred and, and banter in the buildup that the, that the city one did. Um, but you look at what they've done and there's, <laughs> There certainly can't be any underestimating on their part. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be arguably our toughest our toughest midfield test, and that's saying a lot um, coming off of you know two legs against City, but mm-hmm. uh, poised to be poised to be hopefully everything we could ask for. And um, you know the only hope is that we're still standing to talk about one more fixture after those two. Absolutely. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise, Nan, and thank you again. Uh, thank you again, everyone, and hopefully talk to you guys again soon. Indeed. Take care. You too. So that was Alex kicking things off on the Nina Kaza Show. We're joined by another caller. It's Callum Sanderson. You can follow him on Twitter at Callum Sanderson. He is also part of LFC Transfer Room. He's a writer for them. Welcome, Callum. Thank you, Nina. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I mean... Want to get your thoughts on um, on what you made of the game and uh, a question as well, please? Yeah, I'm really happy with today's result. Um, just to sort of echo what the rest of the guys have said, it's one of the first times I've sat through a game and, and not felt petrified. I mean, we were 1-0 up going into sort of the 70th minute and a few seasons back, that would have sort of been a time where I'd get a bit panicky and the, the cop and the crowd would start to get a bit fiery and a bit frustrated, but there was nothing like that today. Everyone was calm, really jovial mood around the ground, and it we never looked out of tr- in trouble. We always looked comfortable, and ultimately the boys came through and produced a 3-0 result. So happy days all around. Indeed, absolutely. Well, Callum, um, what, what question and what points would you like to raise with the panel? Um, I've got Sam and Tom joining me today. Uh, hi, guys. So, yeah, my question is, um, so when Coutinho left in January, there was a huge clamour for us to uh, bring in another playmaking midfielder. So mm-hmm. we were linked with Mares, um, Lamar, Fakir, James Rodriguez, a plethora of names. However, since he's moved on, Klopp sort of adapted um, the number six position and two eights either side of the number six. With the addition of Naby Keita coming in next season, do we think that's something that Klopp's going to stick with? Um, are we going to move away from having one sole playmaker in the team? And if so, do you think that bodes well for the future or do you still think we need a playmaker in the summer? 
Absolutely fabulous question, Tom. I'm going to come to you because um, I think, you know, when Coutinho left, we thought, oh, my God, who, you know, who's going to pull all the strings for, you know, Marnie and Firmino? Um, certainly not been the case. I think the assists have been coming from all over the pitch. The front three are assisting each other. Um, we just look so diverse and so dynamic. Uh, it's it's just been pretty phenomenal. I think the only time where we truly missed that, maybe that kind of playmaker as in a Coutinho was, in my opinion, was against Manchester United. I thought we, we lacked that little something just there. I want to get your thoughts on what, you know, uh, the midfield, how the midfield sets up, in your opinion. And with Cater coming in, I think Callum's made a really good point there because he is, um, I've had Jonathan Harding on my podcast on Euro Incision and he calls him, he, he kind of orchestrates right behind the attack. He's that kind of player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a topic that I'm very outspoken on, and this is a topic oh, I've good. actually written on again quite <laughs> recently. Um, uh, yeah, I know the idea of me being outspoken on anything's ridiculous. I isn't know. It? Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I have, I have, I have sort of briefly brushed on this topic before on other podcasts. What I would say is that I am 100% in favour of this idea that we don't need another playmaker. I 100% don't think we need to directly replace Coutinho. That's something I said in January. That's something I'm sticking by now. Um, I think the balance of our midfield, as, as has already been touched upon, is fantastic. I think we've got five lads in there vying for three spots. I think all of them play a very, very similar role. And I think all of them are very, very similar quality, which is certainly helping the team because at the moment they're all very interchangeable. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how Sadio Mane's role has just slightly shifted with the, um, with the departure of Coutinho. And I think we haven't missed Coutinho at all. And I think part of the reason for that is that we've adapted our, our play away from this idea of a single playmaker. And... The, the simple truth is, when we were when we were playing a lot with Coutinho, we looked a lot less likely to break down teams because the truth was we were giving the ball to Coutinho and expecting him to do something. And more often than not, Coutinho is quite a selfish player. So more often than not, he'll have six shoot. shots from out- yeah. he exactly have six shots from outside the box. He won't actually be creating anything. Um, Coutinho is a phenomenal playmaker, and you know the numbers suggest that he's by far the most creative player in our team when he was here. That you know that that stands on its own. I'm not going not gonna to stand here and say Coutinho isn't, wasn't an absolutely phenomenal creative force, but a lot of that was in situations where we're already creating and scoring quite a lot of goals. So a lot, I think Coutinho would have got a couple, would have got an assist or a goal today, absolutely. Mm. Um, because I think this is the sort of game that would have suited him. If he'd been playing in the Oxo Chamberlain role today, he absolutely would have bagged a goal, a goal or an assist, uh, just as Ox grabbed an assist today. So I certainly think, you know, Coutinho is a phenomenal player and there's definitely scope for having a, a playmaker in this team. But we're nowhere near as reliant on him as we would, as a lot of people thought we might be. Uh, I think the only cases where we are missing Coutinho is when he does actually execute one of those long shots. Because you're looking at a game like a like a Newcastle or a, a Leicester where you just need someone to do something, and Coutinho can just, as you say, break that break that barrier by just pile driving one in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the midfield at the moment has a really really nice feel to it. And it's allowing the front three to do what the front three are good at, which is score goals. And I think a lot of people thought the front three might struggle to score as many without Coutinho behind them loading the bullets. But I think that's been proved to be absolutely incorrect. Um, I think Naby is going to be a vital addition to this midfield, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I don't think stylistically Naby is going to be hugely different from what we've already got. He's another box-to-box, which we all kind of knew. He's a box-to-box who's a brilliant dribbler. Dribbling's one of his main strengths. He's a really astute passer of the ball, but he's not really a playmaker. Um so in, in a sense, he will play kind of similarly to how I'd expect Oxlade-Chamberlain to play today. Maybe a little bit less direct, but certainly the same kind of style. So where he'll pick the ball up in deep areas, look to beat a man, look to open up space in the midfield and look to pick a pass. Um, as, we, well, I mean, as we've seen for, for Leipzig, he's a phenomenal dribbler of the ball. And he's, he knows how to pick a pass, but he's not he's not the Coutinho type, get three, get three or four, create three or four chances a game get you know 10-15 assists a season I'm not sure that's necessarily Naby's game um I think what Klopp likes is he likes having a midfield that is that can do everything so you don't have a mid, you don't have one player who is the creator you don't have one player who's the defense midfielder and it, it works exactly the same way a lot of people have said we need to sign a defense midfielder we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to a lot of people want us to go out and sign a DM and an AM they want us to go out and sign a, a Coutinho replacement and sign someone like Ndidi who's going to be ultra defensive we're not going to do either of those things because Klopp prefers someone like Naby Keita, who's good at both. Mm-hmm. Someone like Henderson, who's good at both. Someone like Ox, who's good at both. He likes a someone utility like... player, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that's why Jorginho. I think that's that's why Jorginho would be a good fit because he's a sort of controlling midfielder who's a good passer of the ball, but he's also a good tackler. So Klopp wants 
Klopp doesn't want one player there to do the tackling, one player there to be the passing. Yeah. He wants two players there to do the tackling and the passing, which for me is the, the perfect way to build a midfield. You've got to build a balance of strength. And it doesn't matter how you do that. You can, you, I mean, that's not to say that um, building a team around a defensive midfielder and a creative midfielder is a bad way of doing things because, you know, successful teams have been doing that for decades. But the point is that you, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to create a balanced midfield and to create a good midfield. And I think at the moment, Klopp's got a really good, good, well-set midfield. And actually, I think I think the balance of our field looks better without Coutinho in it, if I'm being completely honest. And I think that's being reflected on the field. Okay, no, um, you've certainly got an opinion on this. Sam, I'm going to come to you. I think this midfield, I think Tom has made some excellent points. I think Callum is brilliant for bringing this forward. But I'm going to come to you and I think the reason why that midfield works and the reason why assists come from everywhere is the fact that we have such a fluid mobile front three. If it was the likes of like players like Benteke who needed a playmaker, I think then we're up shit's creek. I think the attack really helps the system. Yeah, of course, course it does. Um, but Tom made loads of good points there. Um, I think the whole Coutinho thing, it, it got to a point where we were becoming quite predictable in how we were going to attack. Because he's so good, we would then rely on him and then a lot of the other players would kind of shirk their responsibility sometimes mm-hmm. when they'd get into those areas and Coutinho was next to them and they just pick the simple pass to Coutinho when it's not necessarily the right ball. And even though he was a fantastic player, we've become a better attacking unit since he's left, which I would never have thought at the time. But everyone else seems to have stepped up then. And they've just gone... And the opposition now doesn't know where the ball is going to be coming from because we've got so many avenues that we're going down. You know, Whereas before it was just Coutinho, he's the man, we just pass it to him and he'll find a gap. If he's having an off day... We're not going to score, you know. So I think it's turned out in the end that and and swapping him effectively for Van Dijk, um, you know, bringing in a defender. And I at the time I was worried the goals might dry up, but it, it's been the best move they could have possibly done. Mm. So um, it, it seems to be the tactic with Klopp when he's building squads is, as, as you were saying, he kind of picks players that can do a bit of everything. He, he doesn't go for these, you know. Just a DM or whatever, or or, or just a, a, just a goal scorer. You know, he wants them to be able to do everything. They got to be able to press. They got to be able to pass. Because then, if you do get an injury to that person, it doesn't all fall apart. You know, it, it's like with Chelsea when Kante's gone. You know, th- their game plan seemed to fall apart. It, it's something with Liverpool now that when you do get an injury in a certain position, because so many of the players are so versatile, they they can slot in another position. So. That, that's worked really well, and I just think next season now, we might be witnessing something really, really special. Absolutely. Callum, I'm going to bring you in. You know, we speak about the midfield, but, you know, even the, you know, our our fullbacks are getting in on, on the action. I mean, that assist from Trent today. Yeah, it was a, a beautiful assist, and Trent, for that in his locker, he, he's got phenomenal delivery. Um, Robertson, is not as consistent as Trent with his delivery, but when it's on, it's on as well. Yeah. Um, I think you've all made brilliant points. I think one thing that came up when Coutinho left is there's more, solidi- more solidity in, and there's more structure in the midfield now. Mm. I remember the West Brom game at Anfield when they when they got a nil-nil when Solanke had a goal disallowed. I remember everything sort of went through Coutinho and it was really predictable. Whereas now, because we have that solidity in midfield, the fullbacks can push on a bit more. So there's more variation to our attack, not everything coming through the middle. We so stretch got, it out, don't we? It gets pulled yeah, and stretched, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be upset if we got a playmaker in the mould of someone like Fakir, but if we didn't, I'd understand as well. So I'm more than happy. In in regards to the defensive midfielder um, comments, I again, I agree with that. I think maybe someone like a Jorginho or a controlling defensive midfielder or someone in the mould of a Chabi Alonso would be would be better for our team than, say, a destroyer. No, um, I think those are absolutely fair points. And before we let you go, um, another thing that I've kind of noticed as well is, is the fact that we've got a player in Roberto Firmino, I mean, who is just absolutely exceptional and he's so intelligent. He might not have the pace of, um, you know, Mane and Salah. But what I've noticed that he tends to do is when we are looking a little lost in the midfield or we don't look as creative, he has the intelligence and the nouns to kind of drop deep. 
And I think that really helps us as well. Yeah, Firmino. I, I mean, I've raved about Firmino from the moment we bought him. Mm. And as, as great as Salah is, as great as Coutinho was, Firmino's always been my favourite player because I think he's yeah. massively un- underrated. And yes. he had so much to the team, it's unreal. I mean, it was so evident on, on Tuesday night when we played against Man City and we were struggling to deal with their their sort of 1-2-8 and eight formation that they played. That Firmino just dropped off to the to the wing. He shut up that avenue in between the half spaces between their right back and their their central midfield, and it allowed us to play on the more on the front foot. Salah was the last man to stretch them. He almost does two jobs when he plays. He he plays as that focal point, but he can also drop in. He can be the creator, and and had he's almost a destroyer as well. He, he's one of our best tacklers in the team as well. So he he's just phenomenal. He's he's my favourite player, and I think he's the most important player in our team. Yeah. yeah. I think we all agree with you there. Callum, Callum, thank you so much for calling and taking time out to speak to us. Thanks very much for having me, guys, and love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, cheers, Callum. Take care. Have a good one, guys. You too. Okay, that was Callum Sanders, our, our second caller on the Nina Kaza show. Um, now it's just myself and my two awesome panellists who have a lot of opinions. So now we're just going to discuss... Players, performances, things that haven't been touched by the callers. So, uh, guys, um, I think we start from the back. Let's discuss Carius. Um, Tom, I'll come to you. Um, I thought, again, clean sheet, two crucial saves in the second half. Yeah, I thought Carius was good today. Mm. Um, my one concern with him was that there were a couple of decisions that were offside where he didn't really deal with them brilliantly, if that makes sense. But then you can kind of argue that he didn't get them right because they were offside. Mm. But there was just there was just that one where, where uh, Callum Wilson actually wasn't offside, where he went up for a challenge with with um, with Karius and Karius lost it. But other than that, I mean, you know, there were there were a few, there were a couple of slightly flappy moments, but nothing overly to worry about. Um, no, I thought he was good today. I thought his save, was, I thought he made a decent save. Um, I, it was one where if it had gone in, I think I would have been pretty angry because it was pretty much straight down his throat. But I mean, you know, you, you can never complain with a goalkeeper that keeps a clean sheet and doesn't make any mistakes. Hard to argue with that, isn't it, Sam? Sam, I'll come to you. Your thoughts on Carius? I just feel like he's growing into that position with confidence week in, week out. Oh, big time, big time. You know, we mentioned earlier, it was so nice today having a game where we were just so relaxed and enjoying. Face and masks I think it, on, nails yeah, done, chilling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, were you watching me? I was. <laughs> uh, it was all over Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was It was mad. It, it, it's just gone to a point now where it's the first time in a long time when I'm not worrying about the keeper anymore. You know, there, there are the odd times... People do still worry about Carius, but he's still got a bit of that bad press. It's still hovering over him a bit. But if you actually do just, you know, analyse his performances, he's not putting a foot wrong at the moment. You know, even today now, he did a, he, he went to punch it. Some could argue the punch wasn't as clean as he'd like, but, you know, he cleared his lines. He, he's doing everything you want. But the most important thing about Carius is, he just fits the team. He, you know, he's on the edge of his box whenever the other side is trying to play a ball through. So he's he's going to intercept. He, he's quick with his distribution. He, he's got good passing skills. He, he just suits the Jurgen Klopp team. You know, it's, it's chalk and cheese between him and Mignolet. So um, even though he didn't have that much to do today, when Bournemouth had their ten-minute really good spell, and it was a good spell, to be fair to them, that you know, they're extremely dangerous when they bring on their subs. He held up strong and he did the biz. So, yeah, happy with him again. Good stuff, guys. Uh, let's let's discuss the centre-back pairing. Uh, I It kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the goalkeeper for me. I think Lovren and Van Dijk again. I, I can't really fault them. Clean sheet again. Tom? No, yeah, I thought they were both excellent. Um, Lovren, Lovren played for five minutes whilst he was injured and still managed to make a potentially game-saving interception. Well, not game-saving, it was 2-0. But even so, you know, he made a brilliant interception to prevent a goal that led to the carrier save. And that was why he was injured. No, I thought, I think that's the only concern from the game is whether or not Lovren's going to be potentially injured. Hopefully it's it's nothing serious. But I thought they were excellent. I mean, they won everything in the air. They kept complete control of the game. They passed the ball well. No concerns whatsoever with those two at the back. And we're looking like a team that's really, really solid. That's four goal, five goals in 12 games now? 
something I don't like think that. I'm making that something like something like that since the Spurs game. We've only we've conceded in yeah, we've only we've only conceded more than one goal in the United game since that Spurs 2-2. It's something like seven or eight clean sheets in that spell as well. So yeah, we're looking we're looking really hot defensively. We've now conceded just two goals less than Chelsea. Um so yeah, we are looking really solid at the back and going into next season that's a really really good place to be in where we can actually solve defensive issues and that stems from the centre-backs and it stems from Van Dijk. It really does. It really does. Sam, I'm going to come to you. I mean, Callum was speaking about goals coming from everywhere. Let's not forget two years ago on this day, Dejan Lovren became a cult hero, bagging the winner against Dortmund. I mean, your thoughts on the defenders today? Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a centre-back partnership. Um, I've been really harsh on Lovren for a long time and, you know, I think some of it's been justified. He, he is prone to the the odd error, completely unforced error as well, uh, and some really bad decision-making. But the more and more that he plays with Van Dijk, the more he seems to be starting to iron out those problems, you know, touching wood here massively. Yes. I don't want to jinx him. Of course. But he's having a good few games now where he's... When you keep it simple for Lovren and don't make him have to be, you know, he, as long as he doesn't have to be the main one of the two, I think he does a great job. He, you know, he does all the defending. He's a very front foot defender, which, which is why he does often leave himself exposed because he, he, he over exposes and dives in to get the ball. But then you've got Van Dyke behind him then. So the, together at the moment, they're working really well. Yeah. So what was really impressed me about Lovren, is he's been fantastic in the air. You know, we, we know that Van Dyke is actually absolutely elite in the air. That guy, I, I haven't seen anyone heading a ball like him since we had Sammy Hoopier, basically. You know, nothing is getting past him. But I've really noticed that Lovren has stepped up his game in the air. There, there was a head that he made in the last five minutes of the game today where it was a guaranteed goal and he just got his head to it. And I don't know if he's getting talked through the game or whether it's, he's getting more confidence now when you've got a guy like Van Dyke next to you who you know you can just pass the ball to and he can take the responsibility of passing from the back. Maybe that's just taking a bit of pressure off him and he can just concentrate on doing the simple things as a defender. And at this moment in time, I can't fault the guy. So really happy for him. Um, you know, he's proving a lot of people wrong at the moment. Uh, me included. You know, I've, I've said quite a few things. I wrote an article about him when he made a few absolute howlers in a game recently against Man United but at this moment in time he's on a good run and that's absolutely vital if we're going to have any chance to win this Champions League we need to keep those two boys fit together and get them playing every game yeah, and confidence needs to be sky high as well. You know, I think that's absolutely yeah. crucial. And let's not forget, he was absolutely magnificent against Manchester City as well. And, you know, like yeah. all of you on here, I wanted him gone from the club. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think we do need a quality centre back, but it's great that yeah. he is actually fighting for that. And he, you know, he's, he's not complete mush. I think that is important. I think, uh, I think Tom hit the <laughs> nail on the head there that, you know, Van Dyke has been absolutely crucial to everything that's going on in the back. So, um, uh, fabulous stuff, guys. We're going to move on to fullbacks. And Sam, I'm going to stick with you. Uh, I think they're both young. I think they're both exciting. I think they've both got massive potential. And I think the future looks very bright for them. Uh, but for me, if I had to pick one that I thought had um, the better game, I thought Trent was, again, magnificent. That guy can cross a ball, can't he? It's unbelievable. The, the ball for the, for the Salah header was insane. And, he, and he, he put a few in like that before that as well. I just don't know. He's usually with a fullback, they need to get to the byline to get their crosses in. They, they don't even need to bother. Their, their delivery is so good that they're even crossing for deep. It, it's, it's, it's more like a pass than a cross. Cause what we were doing previously, we would just get into the byline and aimlessly hoofing it in. But now the, him and Robbo seem to just be picking boys out. And it's not like we've got you know, tall players in the team. But because the movement's so fantastic with the front three, that's all you need to do is put it into the correct area and the guys are getting there. So I, you know, I thought probably, well, we'll go on to man of the match later, but I think Trent was absolutely excellent again. And Robbo, solid as you like again. It's just Trent has just outshone him today. But both those guys, so, so happy having a, a good left and right back. And I think maybe we've underrated the importance of left and right backs. Mm. 
until we've got good Definitely. left and right backs. Yeah. Because, you know, when it's 13 14, we had Flano playing there, and we were like, and, and we had um, Ali Sissoko, you know, these boys, and we were like, ah, I see you don't need them. But that's probably because we had insane strikers that season who could then mask the flaws of that. But I think Man City are a prime example this season. That's all they've done in the summer, pretty much, yeah. is, is sort out the left and right back areas, and they've become an amazing attacking machine and we are going that way as well and we are going to be a huge threat next season absolutely there's a a case to be made for me that we missed Robertson and Trent against Everton more than we missed Mo and Bobby because I think if you've got someone like Solanke in there if you've got players of Robertson and um, Trent's quality in the fullback positions putting in balls like they were today Solanke's going to get chances and Solanke's going to get goals and so zings um I think if you know, I think both of those fullbacks are absolutely phenomenal. They really are. Uh, and we did a on the writers' pod in midweek. We talked about um, both of them, and um, I think Robbo at the moment is the more consistent, which is really really nice. But yeah. as you say, I, Trent Trent outshone him today, and that's just a case of Trent dropping a ten out of ten rather than Robertson doing anything wrong. Exactly. I thought Robertson was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Trent was absolutely storming. He was winning everything. He was charging up the pitch. He was beating players. He was putting wicked balls in. His decision making was excellent as well. It's another. He was another one of those players who just. There were occasions where you thought you might have done something silly, or he might have gone for the glory himself, but instead he did, played a really intelligent pass. Um, and I think one thing, one moment that I really appreciate about Robert was when Henderson played that rake and cross, and Robertson just headed the ball back across the box, and it just shows how our fullbacks are almost playing as auxiliary wingers at times, and that's a, a credit to how attacking our system is and how it's working that neither of them get get caught out of position very often either. And that's a lot of that's down to the confidence in the centre-backs as well. But I just thought both full-backs were, were terrific today. I thought Robertson especially, his defending is for me what's the most important thing. Because as much as we can go on and on and on about how good, how good our full-backs are offensively, it's really nice to have a left-back. You never have to worry about giving the ball away or you never have to worry about doing something stupid. And you don't have to worry about him giving away penalties or giving away cheap free kicks in bad areas. Because defensively, he's just so solid. He doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't get beaten. He, he's a very, very accomplished player. Whereas I think Trent isn't quite that yet. Trent's a bit more erratic, a mm. bit more, uh, obviously still a bit more attacking, but Trent's capable of some wicked passing and Trent's crossing today was absolutely incredible. Can't argue with that. And I think, again, that that back four is just, um, right now, I think it's the perfect combination uh, I, I love the engines that are in, you know, that are like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, the fact that they cover so much ground. It's it's just, a, it, they're, they're an absolute joy to watch. And they're so young as well, which I think I even get more excited about because I just think about how much they're going to grow, how much they're going to develop under this under this coach as well in Jurgen Klopp. It's just very exciting times. Uh, Sam, I'm going to come to you because we discussed the midfield with uh, Alex and, uh, and of course, um, Callum. But you wanted to give a special shout out to Ginny when he held him, so the floor's yours. Yeah, I I just think he's he's had a lot of stick as well. He mm-hmm. gets a lot of the ghost and all of this. It's, it's really harsh. I I think in these away games he's been getting been given a certain role to do, and he, he really is just never going to shine when he's doing that role. Uh, obviously, he hasn't played the best as well. You know, I, I grant that, but I think the last three games. He's really come to the fore and he's actually shown some of his abilities mm. and, and, and shown that he can actually do the biz. So I think he's, he, I thought he's really good today as well. Even though Ox outshone him, I just wanted to give him a mention because I thought earlier, you know, we were talking about the midfield and I thought he was another key component today in making sure that we had full control of that midfield area today. Fair enough. And Tom, um, I think that's another good shout. I think he, I think Sam just made a really good point there. The fact that, you know, uh, he kind of said Ox just outshone him. I think Ginny's a, uh, he's a, he's a quiet grafter. You have to watch him. You have to, yeah, you do have to watch him. Um, I think, I'm not sure it's necessarily unfair to call Ginny a ghost because I do think a lot of what, a lot of what Ginny does is not particularly overly helpful. I think he does a lot of things that aren't necessarily. Sorry, I don't think he puts himself in situations where he's actively helping the team. Um, I think I thought Genie was good today. I mm. thought he played pretty well. Um, but I thought he had another one of those performances, and I say this a lot about Genie. I'd like to see Genie step up and run a game. I don't mind seeing Genie play well in performances when he's got two or three or four lads around him who are who are outshining him, which is tends to be what happens. And I, I appreciate that that's part of his game. 
and I, I do appreciate that that's part of what what Klopp wants him to do, which is not hog the spotlight. But it would be nice to see Genie step up and make a game his own rather than having to constantly be in the other lad's shadows. Because I think Genie was all right today, but I don't think he was anything special. I thought he had a good performance, but it's the sort of performance I'd expect from a midfielder of his calibre with the sort of lads around him playing the performances that they were playing. Would you like to see him play like a more of like an advanced position? Do you want him to kind of make more of like darting runs through the midfield, like pretty much like the way Ox has been doing? Is that the kind of performance you kind of want from him? Maybe. I think I want to see him do more of more of something, if that makes sense. I want to because the problem with Genie is we often see this. He doesn't often when he's grafting, he's not he's not actually grafting. He's just looking like he's grafting. Because if you look at what he does, he doesn't tend to do as much defensive work as Henderson or Chan. Or Milner, he doesn't do as much offensive work as someone like Oxley Chamberlain. So I'd just like to see him maybe do a bit more. If he's going to be a more of a defensive player, be a bit more defensive. If he's going to be a dribbler, be a bit more of a dribbler. I want to see him be. A, I want to see him show what he's bringing to the side because at the moment I think he's. A lot of people call him a facilitator, and I'm not sure that that's an inaccurate description. But I'm also not convinced that it's an accurate description either. I'm not because I I think if he if you. If, if you've got a player like Genie who's not pertained particularly well in this midfield, you could argue he's a facilitator based on how well everyone else is playing anyway. So I'd like to see a little bit more of what it is that makes him a facilitator, if that makes sense, because I'm not convinced that there's anything there that other people see personally. <laughs> Although I may not be I may not be looking at him hard enough. I don't I don't watch game I don't watch Genie especially closely, if that makes sense. You know, when we signed him, I think we all we all expected that we were getting an attacking midfielder because he was it 10 goals, 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 goals yeah for Newcastle yeah because mm. he scored 10 for Newcastle but didn't he have like a four or five goals in one game uh, which kind of skewed the figures of it and maybe <laughs> a hat trick as well so uh, he ended up with 10 goals but a lot of them were, were in bursts, he binges so basically he binges on goals yeah so it then the, the the figures looked a lot more impressive than you know he's not as much of a goal scorer as we thought he was but what I found is his recent performances, his best performances have been in the in the six role in in Henderson's position, uh, and that's what we found against uh, against City in, in the game and against Everton as well. And I thought that's when he showed his best work, and it was when he was maybe deep best, and then he could just beat the first man and then set the attack away. You know, he would just get past the first guy, be nice and strong, and then pass it and get away. It's just. That's something that Henderson doesn't tend to do, is to just nudge it past the player. He doesn't seem to have the burst of pace that maybe Wijnaldum does to get past a man. And then that's something, once he's done that, the boys are away. And then that is what I think he does regards to facilitating uh, the attacking guys in the front three. Maybe. I'm not I'm not sold. I don't think... he's a, some, He sometimes is a good dribbler, but his, dribb- his dribbling isn't consistent for me. And he, do- he never controls a game. That's the thing I want to see more of. And yeah, he did do that against Everton really well when he was playing in the six. Yeah. But quite often he doesn't really control a game at all because he just doesn't get involved in the play, which is something that I would like to see more of. If he's going to be a facilitator, I'd like to see him on the ball more. I'd like to see him with more touches because today he still had the least least touches of any outfield player, including Salah and Mane and Firmino. So I yeah. still want to see him get more involved in the game because it, it's great that his passing accuracy was one, 100% today, mm. but... But his passing wasn't as wasn't as he didn't make as many passes as someone like Henderson. Henderson made over twice as many passes. It's safe. It's like, it's, you know, it's a bit yeah. It's just a bit too. It's just a bit too non-existent for me. I just want to see a little bit more from him, if that makes sense. I want to see him. Yeah. I want to see him control a game. I want to see him dictate a game. I don't want to see him sort of being in a game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't want him to be first choice. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's going to be a really good squad player for us, and when we are. You know, next season hopefully we'll have a stronger midfield, and when we do have a guy missing, I'd be more than happy for him to step in. You know, when he needs to be the sub. Oh, absolutely! I think, I think now it's only fair we move on to the attack. Tom, I'll come to you. Um, Let's discuss more Salah first. I mean, the guys just brought records again. Christ. Um, (laughs) It's 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 very strange. Um, He wasn't even the best. Of the front three was, today as well. I thought he was the worst player on yeah. the pitch for us. In the <laughs> yeah. I really did. Like, like, I really did. I thought he was, I thought he had, I thought he had a pretty average game. Um, you know, he didn't really do much on the ball. He, he, made, he made some good. Like, don't get me wrong. He made some good passes. He had some lovely pieces of interchange. I thought in the second half, especially, he did come into his own. Um, I, I, I just thought he was looked a little bit lax. He wasn't really sharp enough. He had quite a lot of shots that weren't particularly good shots. Missed that big chance early on. Mm. 
Um, but then he goes and does something like that with the header. And it just, just says everything about how talented this lad is mm. and how brilliant at the game this lad is, that he can go and turn in. It, it, I mean, he didn't even turn in a bad performance. It was all right. But then he just goes and has the audacity to flick a header over the goalkeeper like that. It was absolutely unreal. It really was. It was a brilliant, brilliant goal. And he's just such a phenomenal player. Uh, I mean, as I say, I, it was interesting. I didn't think the front three, I didn't think any of the front three stood out as having exceptional games compared to the rest of the team. And yet all three of them ended up with the goals. And that for me is where we're at, at the moment as a side. We've got three lads up front who are going to stick, who are going to do what they need to do. Everybody in this team has a role to do. And Mo Salah's role is to put that ball in the back of the net. And he did it once again today. And it, he's just, he, he just, he just has a breathtaking range of goal scoring. Mm-hmm. He can just seem to score from anywhere, do anything. And that header, because we saw a bit of his heading in preseason and we've seen it a couple of times, but it's, it's for a lad so short, he is just such an, excellent technician with with the ball in the air and it was just a deft header it absolutely was i mean sam uh he scores that header uh literally moments after you know he he kind of wanted a penalty goes down i thought it was a penalty that was contact i don't care now um you know but he's just like i think tom said there he didn't have the best of games but he has the audacity to do that i think he scored in every home game now since boxing day or something bizarre mental Wow. I, I think what we were witnessing today was there was a bit of anxiety with him today. I, I really felt that he was desperate to get the goal today. I think he really wanted to get to the 40-goal mark and the 30-goal mark in the league. Um, there was a the whole thing with Harry Kane stealing Did you goals. notice how everyone celebrated <laughs> with him as well? It was yeah, like yeah. every I, player I went up is, to him. He He's even commented on the Harry Kane yes, he has. fake goal thing, which just shows you how desperate he is now to get this top goal scorer thing. And this is the first game since he's, he's tweeted that. And I just thought that we were witnessing someone who was making... for a, He never never does this, but he made, made some really poor decisions today because he was so desperate for the goal. And when he should have passed a lot of times, he was going for it himself when it wasn't really a chance on. So it was a rare case for him where he, he'd gone a bit Harry Kane, actually, and, and really upped his is shooting when it wasn't necessarily on just to give him higher odds of getting a goal. But in the end, what a piece of quality that is. You know, the, the run off the ball was phenomenal. Obviously, it took an insane pass from Trent to actually create it. But that header, it's just, he, he spotted the keeper slightly off his line and he's just kind of scooped it over the top. And yeah, it, it, he's, he's doing things He's a different kind of player to Suarez, but he's doing Suarez-esque things. You know, he's scoring all manner of goals. They're always spectacular. Terrorising defenders. Yeah, and, and he's <laughs> making defenders make mistakes. Yeah. He, you know, because I thought Nathan Aki had an excellent game today. Yeah. And he was, all, he was all over him. And he really, really was frustrating Salah. But Aki can have one of his best games of the season. Salah still notched. You know, it, it just shows the quality of the guy. So... It's not his best game. Tom is bang on there. I think it was a lot to do with him trying to force the issue a bit too much. But in the end, he's got the goal and we got the win. Absolutely. We'll move on to Bobby Firmino. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you. He gets the goal at the end. Uh, I thought he should have had a few goals today. I thought you know some of his decision-making was a little off today. I thought Bobby Bobby had another weird game, and it was an interesting one. It would be it would be it would it would be an interesting one to look back on. He had some really good intricate football in and around the outside of the box. Mm. He played two or three lovely little back heels. Um, I thought he was trying to be way too clever with that big, with that yeah. big with that big chance that he missed because mm-hmm. that absolutely in that situation you just put the ball in the back of the net. You know what I mean? If you know, if, he's just got to put that ball in the back of the he's net. Trying really, dainty, he? He was he's trying to be too dainty, wasn't he? He was trying to be trying to be yeah. way too clever. Yeah. Um, but he got his goal, and I'm glad he got his goal because I always love it when Bobby scores. Yes, and he did the celebration for the fans, which was nice. Um, I mean, I mean, but you know what you're going to get from Bobby? He's always going to run, run himself into the ground. He's going to press like crazy. He's going to get himself in situations where he's going to score goals. Um, yeah, I thought he had a good game today. I didn't think he had a particularly brilliant game. I didn't think he had a bad game either. Although it was a pretty, pretty solid performance from him, and it's always nice to see him notch. It's a good finish at the end. Um, yeah, just a shame he couldn't take the big chance that was offered on him. But you know. You know, you can never complain when your forward scores the goals, can you? Absolutely not. And Sam, your your verdict on uh, Bobby Firmino, I think, you know, one thing that you've got to give him credit for, even if he has one of the worst games ever, which he didn't today, um, the man is just such a grafter. 
you know what you're going to get every game with Firmino. He's 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 absolutely pivotal, as Tom mentioned earlier. Um, he's, he's possibly our most important player, as uh, one of the callers said actually as well. And today now, I think he was just in the mood to have fun. He he just wanted a party today. Uh, Tom mentioned there now he, he must have done about three or four back heels. He was just so keen to entertain the crowd today. So. I, I was so happy that he did finally get his goal. It wasn't his best of games, but a lot of things we tried today were literally split tiny amounts away from being immense bits of football that didn't quite come off. So I think he was just trying really elaborate things today. He he knew we were going to be the better side, and I just think he wanted to turn it on. Didn't quite come off, but he still had a really good game, to be fair. He ran his socks off. He got a goal. What more do you want, really? You can't, you can't argue and you can't complain. And Sam, I'm sticking with you. We'll discuss the last man, the guy who started it all off pretty early on. We thought it was going to be a goal fest, Sadio Mane. I thought from the front three, he should have had like at least two hat-tricks today. I thought he was pretty <laughs> much everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Well, my brother Joe was next to me watching the game. And before the game, he just said, I think Mane's going to have a great game today. I don't know why. And he started off on fire, you know. Mm. He he did miss a few chances, but he was he was at the end of them, you know. He he was pivotal to everything we were doing in the first half, you know. And he and he obviously notches really early as well. Um, so I thought he was the most dangerous of the front three today. Um, but again, there was a lot of things not coming off. But the things that these boys are trying are incredibly difficult to do. So uh, you can't complain too much. They've all got a goal today again. How many times has that happened this season, you know? Uh, Seven. <laughs> oh, there we are, the man with the stats. This is why he <laughs> writes the stats article. You understand? <laughs> he's got the numbers. <laughs> Don't it's all in his head. He's, he's counting them as he goes in his head as well. He's that good. But uh, yeah, so Mane's got more goals than he had last season. A stat came up at the start of the game on uh, on the coverage saying that Firmino, before this game today, had scored 24 goals all comps, which is more than he had in both of the last two seasons combined. Exceptional. Which was 23, apparently, which I was really shocked at. Mm. So he's up to 25 now. So, you know, what can we say about this front three, really? You can't ask for more. So it's not a surprise that they're not, going all out or they didn't go all out to get a, a Mares or someone like that in 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 January because no way is anyone moving one of these guys. It, it takes an injury to drop one of these players at the moment. So it, it's an absolute joy to watch. And I'm really trying my best to just sit back and enjoy it and not get stressed about games. So today's game, another three you know, three nil win again, really comfortable home win. We're unbeaten at home in the league this season still Looking really good to get through the Sam, whole season. I gotta Touch ask wood. You something before you go yeah. any further, before we move on. Yeah. Did your watch buzz or beep <laughs> at you today? Absolutely not. Today it didn't even move. It was absolutely fine. So I should be alive now to write some articles this week. Uh, you'd be pleased to hear. Um, so there's no heart attacks during the game today. Although I, to be fair, I did twitch a bit at the end when they had a few chances. They missed. Gosling had a really good chance and he he scored against Liverpool for Everton before, hadn't he? So I just thought that was that was going to be going into the top corner. But in the end, really nice and calm day and I'll be able to sleep tonight. Fabulous stuff. Right, guys, we're going to move on to the last segment. It is uh, pretty much your your man of the match. So, Tom, I'll, I'll come to you first. Who's your man of the match? Tough call. Um, I have a feeling Sam's going to say Trent. So because I have that feeling, I'm going to say Ox because I thought they were both terrific. Um, I'd have maybe been tempted to say Henderson as well, but yeah. for me, it's between Ox and Trent. And I thought Ox was absolutely brilliant. And the fact he got the assist at the end for Bobby's goal just summed up his performance. I thought he really deserved at least an assist, if not a goal today. It's not a bad shout. It's a fabulous shout. And you know what? Your co-host on Writers is fist bumping as though we are probably speaking. Uh, what about yourself, uh, Sam? Are you are you predictable and are you going to say Trent? Well, it's predictable because I said it earlier. But um, apart from that, uh, yeah, yeah, it, I, I was exactly the same as Tom. Between those two guys, I think they both stood out the most. 
both really young, promising players. But I can't look any further than Trent personally. That that ball for for the Salah header alone, I think, it was so good. You could almost give it on that alone. But he, he was so solid today. Excellent going forward. Ran his socks off. The, the guy is so full of promise. You know, I really expect maybe later on his in his career he will be further forward up the pitch. But I think at the moment our right back slot is absolutely sorted with Trent. You know, one thing I want to say as well: you've got Kyle Walker. He's he's gone to Man City for fifty million pounds. Mm. The start of this season, you know, you might be like, oh, they've got fifty million pound right back. There's absolutely no way I'd swap Trent for for Kyle Walker, <laughs> and and Trent is. 19 years old and developing you know he's got a brain and he had Sane's number in the Champions League one of the most you know exciting wingers in world football right now yeah you know we've got to accept he's gonna he's gonna be making more mistakes than maybe an older player might because he's still learning and he's still he's still raw but even even as a raw youngster that's still developing he's putting in fantastic performances so you know, I just I think he gets people give him a bit more time as well because he's because he's from Liverpool. I think that helps. So when he does make mistakes, people aren't too harsh on him like they are on the Lovrens of this world. Yeah. You know, but I I just think he he is looking so promising, and he he said and I've seen him saying a number of times actually in many different interviews that he wants to be Liverpool captain and mm. I just think he's got the confidence and he just knows one day he will be. Yeah. Um, you know what? I hate you both. You both put up um two really good players, two players that I thought had a great game. I think Henderson was one of my shouts as well. I even really enjoyed Mane's performance. I just loved watching him just run riot. Um, but the two that you've put forward, I think they are both excellent and it's so hard because I've got to pick one and I'm gonna go with, oh, it's so hot. I'm gonna go with Tom's purely because this is a player that got slated loads. I think there's a lot of questions about his fee. Um, also his, um, injury record. And, you know, I think he's played in, in a midfield and he's kind of really imposed himself. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, fabulous, fabulous. And I think everyone loves him. And because he's only 18 or 19, um, I just think, you know, I'm gonna give it to Ox. It's hard. Can't can't argue with that. No, he, yeah. he, was, he, was fanta- he was fantastic, and you know Tom's going to agree with that because it was his shout. So. Yeah, he's like he's quite happy, right, guys? I, I, I think we. Uh, no, it was brilliant stuff, guys. Um, uh, that is pretty much the end of the Nina Carter show. A massive, massive thank you to my callers. A massive thank you to these two awesome dudes, um, who took time out and uh, you know, helped me out on this uh, episode. But before I let them go. Plugs are in order. So, Sam, I'm going to come to you. You're a busy guy these days. I'm trying my best. Um, I, for, for quite a while, I've been promising gags. I've been doing articles and pods and things. So I'm actually starting to carry my weight a bit. Um, I wrote something on James Milner uh, this week. So that's up. Um, half man, half machine. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sambo Evans. Please do. He's hilarious, especially taking a piss out of Harry Kane. He's giving me loads <laughs> of chuckles this week. And Tom, what about yourself? I know writers is a constant thing now. I love listening to it. So please let the listeners know where they can find more of your work and, you know, um, do plug the writers podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I will plug the writers podcast myself and Leanne. I uh, put a lot of effort into it, mm-hmm. but, but the writers pod wouldn't be what it is without all the fantastic writers that we do have on the site. So what I would say is just check out the site. And if, um, you know, and if you like the articles, the chances are sooner or later me and Leanne will be taking on one of you, one of the writers that you like on the pod and discussing their work, um, which is really, we usually, we usually do it on a Thursday. So it's usually a, a, about Friday it will come out. Um, so that's always one to keep an eye on. Um, all my work will be on the Anfield Index site. I do t- generally do quite a lot of uh, articles. As you guys mentioned earlier, I do the key stats articles. So I'm already drumming up some numbers for, um, from today's game. Uh, there should be, should be quite an easy one because there's a lot mm-hmm. of good numbers to pick out in terms of an attacking sense. Um, and yeah, I'm right. As I mentioned earlier as well, I'm writing an article on the midfield at the moment and how I think a lot of people maybe underappreciate our midfield and how good a job with how good a job the, the five lads in there are doing at the moment. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah. Other than that, just follow me on Twitter at uh, Tom Holmes 19. 
And yeah, keep listening to the Nina, Nina Kowser show because it's a great, great, great show as well. Too kind. And again, please do follow Tom. He's one of, the, one of you know Liverpool's most sensible fans. I love reading his opinions, listening to his opinions. I think the Writers Podcast is incredible. I love how you can bring articles to life and they become topical discussions like they are current news right now and you guys make podcasts that was it's it, i love it and getting the writers on as well to discuss their articles where the idea came from is absolutely phenomenal so do check out their work it's exceptional for my part all i'm gonna say is please do check out ai pro uh, that is my only plug so much fabulous content on there all you need to do is go on to anfieldindex.com forward slash join for 99 a month, $49.99 annually. There is a seven-day free trial. We've got the likes of Jan Molby under pressure, talking tactics with Paul Dargleish. We've got Molby with a Trev Downey. We do the post-match role show as well. Um, Euro Incision, I did two uh, podcasts, which I absolutely enjoy doing, so do check them out. The preview shows as well. There's just so much fabulous content. You don't want to miss out. Media Matters as well with Sachin. So do check that out, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I will be back with my next episode. Till next time, up the reds. Podcast Network.